the United States of America. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Battle of New Orleans Radio. I'm your host, Nathan Lawrence, along with my fantastic co-host. Go in. What about Caleb Hitt? Is Caleb Hitt uh, hooked up? In the flesh, buddy. Uh, how you doing, Caleb? I know I know you texted me last night, man. I, I seen it this morning. I've been going to bed. I've been working twenty hours a day, but chasing this these shekels, you know what I'm saying? So I apologize for not getting back with you. We're tired tonight. We know you, a lot of you are getting ready for the presidential debate tonight, the final one, right, Caleb? Yep. All right, man. I know you might be tuning in and staying on on via Skype with us. Um, you know, we were hoping to get um Rhonda Shear tonight, but she's such a big, um, she's so big into this uh, situation with the uh, election. You know, she's a New Orleans native, uh, more famously known for her role on USA Up All Night. Um, She's, again, she went to Mount Carmel. She lives in Florida now, but we're going to have her on possibly in about two weeks. Uh, The first guest we're going to have, Nathan, go ahead and describe that situation there. Yeah, he's an author. His name is Dr. Nicholas Cardaris. He's an international renowned speaker and author. He's written a book called Glow Kids, How Screen Addiction is Hijacking Our Kids and How to Break the Trance. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, what the, the the radiation coming off the screens and all the frequencies really do to us. And what know? is this Glow Kids? That's like kids who just like look at their phones all day? Well, you don't even have to look at it all day. We all do it. We're all products of this now, you know. But, you know, the, the, with the kids, though, their minds are still developing. Um, and Steve Jobs wouldn't even allow... His kids to even have iPhones or iPads. That's pretty telling. But look, I, before we get in to, to that, look, I, I want to discuss really what's really pertinent, man. And that's this ramping up of the rhetoric um, on Russia. They're doing Russia's over there doing nothing. They've got like two military bases outside their borders. We've got a thousand. If you count the support uh, bases, we're over there just massing on their borders. I mean, look, there's a, a classified Norwegian cave system that hosts combat equipment that can handle 15,000 troops. That's just 60 miles uh, from Russia. You know, they're talking about, you know, sending uh, special ops near the border. They've already rolled nukes on the border. They're rolling nukes on the border, mm-hmm. and they're calling them defense weapons. Yeah, but what has Putin done? What, what have they done wrong? You know, it's like your Pontius Pilate in the Bible. You know, you're you're asking, what did Jesus do wrong before he gets crucified? And, and the other guy, what, Barnabas or Barabbas? Whatever, yeah, Barabbas. Like, Barabbas, you know, he's raping and killing people and, we're we're over here being like, well, what did this one do? You know, yeah, yeah. It, it, every, everything and everything now with Hillary in, in the election, oh, Russia did it. He, Russia did it. Russia did it. Donald Trump took a crap and it stunk. <laughs> uh, you know, and it, it, Russia did it. You know, everything's Russia now. Yeah. I mean, you know, but one thing that's been good that's been coming out of all these wiki, the, excuse me, wiki leaks uh, that's been, you know, that Julian Assange has been releasing, you know, slowly. Um, it's probably been pretty smart, you know, the way he's been doing it. You know, in some of the latest ones, it reveals that there's actual, and they call it a shadow government mm-hmm. that sits above the State Department and actually, you know, gives everybody marching orders. And they actually ran the FBI investigation over Hillary. 
And that's what it said in, you know, in the emails. Hmm. I mean, speaking of the censorship, you know, WikiLeaks and this and that, after the um, first guest, we're going to have a short brief call in from Dr. David Duke. He's going to talk about what recently happened with his Facebook fan page, Nathan and Caleb, uh, where basically uh, Facebook just dropped his whole Facebook fan page, the David Duke fan page. He had uh, tens of thousands of followers. And two days ago, um, he said that um, he wanted to come on the show and clear the air on that. He also had some other news in regards to his Senate race he wanted to bring up. But we're going to bring him on shortly for at the end of the first hour. And the second hour, we're going to open the lines up and, you know, take some calls and talk about different yeah. subjects that we haven't really been having a chance to talk about because we've been having so many guests the last few weeks. But go ahead, yeah, Nathan. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, with regardless of at this point, it doesn't matter what you say. You know, you have the right to say it, you know, and if, if people that don't, you know, agree with what, you know, Dr. Duke is saying, that's fine. Uh, but, they, but that's but, Zuckerberg's, uh, you know, it's it's a private, but, uh, you know, entity. And they, they you know, of course. But, but, but look, they how guilty they are. look how guilty they are by only targeting him, though. Yeah, you know, they target a lot of people. You know, they, they've I, I've 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 had uh, restrictions on Facebook on, on my The Daily Resistance Daily page. Resistance. Caleb, I, can't, you know that. I can't get over 1,454 likes on the page. Once it gets to 1,454, Syntax error. it goes back down to 1,449. I don't know if you ever noticed that or not, Caleb. You ever noticed that? I don't know. I don't really pay attention to tell you the truth. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's something I pay attention to just because, okay, we'll still – look, Caleb, we'll get several hundred views on the website a day, regardless of putting up articles or not. It's still – there's 700 articles on there. You still get several hundred views a day. Even if that's the case, if 10% or 1% hit the like button, you're still getting a several yeah. several page likes a day. But that's just some more of the, the censorship. You yeah. know what I'm saying? This and, kind of material they don't want too many people to know about. You know, our show, you know, the stuff we talk about, the subjects we talk about, you know, and it's just it's something that they, they don't want uh, widespread information to be uh, divulged out there, you know? No, you know, they get us, like Matt Drudge said last year, uh, they get us in these internet ghettos. Yeah, they are calling us in a way, Nathan and Caleb. I mean, they are because, you know, they get you on these different groups, whether it be right, left, the right, left paradigm or whatever, and they know exactly what you believe in, what you stand for. And if it doesn't go with, I guess, the New World Order agenda, then, you know, they get rid of you, you know? Yeah, Facebook's one giant social, you know, engineering experiment. You know, yeah, we, we, get, we, get, we get socially engineered on there on, on a daily basis, you know. And what about the here going? What about the Navy officer? They tell the they, uh, they told the, he told the Alaskans to prepare for war. Hmm. You know, when I was I locked my keys in my car today, and the pop lock guy showed up. Nice fella showed up quick, man. Thirty seconds, had my door unlocked. He opened the door. He said, We're about to go to war with Russia. Like kind of, kind of excited. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> uh huh. What's up, man? And uh, excited about that. Yeah, America's I'm like back. Wow, you know he was listening to some church show and he, he was grew all, a pair. America grew a pair again. Yeah, got got to get them damn rooskies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dude, it, it, it's crazy. Monolithic Christians. Yeah, we really got really got to get them. They're a big threat to uh, the yeah. worldwide situation. Well, you know what's really crazy? Uh, U.S. and Britain told Russia that they told Russia and Syria that if they continue bombing in Aleppo, Aleppo's in Syria, right? Mm -hmm. U.S. And the UK told Syria that if it keeps bombing in Aleppo, yeah, whose country is that? Is that ours? Yeah, exactly. And that's the, those two are the head of the Zion snake. But look, we got a call. 
No, that's probably that's probably our guest. Is, oh, is, is going to be calling in for the next for the next segment. Oh, and by the way, we have a special guest here. Uh, my cousin Ivan is all the way over here from Croatia. He's a uh, sponsored Croatian, and uh, we might actually he's in the studio now. He's not talking yet, but. You know, the second hour, we're just assuming with the presidential debate, we're not going to have any that many listeners and callers. So we're, it's going to be a free-for-all the second hour. We're looking forward to that wackiness. And uh, maybe we'll hear his two cents on the EU, the open borders, Angela Merkel, all that good stuff going on over there in Croatia and this and that. The stuff we talk about all the time on our show. Ladies and gentlemen, the internationalists are pushing a world war with Russia. Man, let's let's stop it. We must stop it with information. What they're telling us is a bunch of lies. The West and NATO is rolling nukes on Russia's border and calling them defense missiles. That's not defense. That's offensive. Okay? So this is totally ridiculous. We're on Russia's border, you know, poking the bear. Putin, Putin didn't do nothing. I, I mean, I'm not saying he's innocent, but, but, I mean, look, man. I mean, leave these countries alone. We must stop. Yep. You know? Anyway, look, when we come back. We have Dr. Nicholas Cardaris, author of Glow Kids, How Screen Addiction is Hijacking Our Kids and How to Break the Trance. When we get back, we'll be talking with him. Listen to Battle of New Orleans Radio right here, the home of the First Amendment, 990 AM, WGSO in the heart of the Crescent City. We'll be right back. We had enough of this crap. They took our freedom and I go and now we taking it back. Don't gotta take it as fact. Go get the knowledge yourself. They run the education system, so college won't help. They using my manipulation to Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Listening to Battle of New Orleans Radio. I'm Nathan Lawrence along with Goyam. And we have a, a special guest coming on. He is uh, he is an author. He's Dr. Nicholas Cardaris. He's an internationally renowned speaker, one of the country's foremost addiction experts. The executive director of Dunes in East Hampton, New York, one of the world's top rehabs, a former clinical professor at Stony Brook Medicine. He has also taught neuropsychology at the doctoral level and the author of Glow Kids. He's also written How Plato and Pythagoras Can Save Your Life, 2011. He's a frequent contributor to Psychology Today, Fox News, and has appeared on CBS Evening News, NPR, Good Day New York, Esquire, New York Magazine, and Vanity Fair. Nicholas, how you doing, man? Appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me on this uh, big night with the debate. I appreciate being here. Yeah, yep. yeah, I know we're, our listenership's probably down a little bit because it's okay. of that. you're in the first hour where, where it's before the debate starts up in about thirty five <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Yep. yeah, it's it was funny. I was traveling back from San Diego and I seen your book in the airport, and hmm. I said, "Man, you because know, we frequently talk about this. We see this all the screen time is really, and I'm guilty." The adults are, are being affected, you know, as well. It's really rewiring our brains. I mean, in my opinion, and I'm no doctor like you, but in my opinion, it, it seems that, um, you know, everybody, we're like a fraction of, our, of ourselves. Well, I think you're, you're seeing what everybody else with a pair of eyes is seeing. And it's funny because I'm amazed that there are people that don't see it. And there apparently are a lot of people that aren't seeing how we've changed our whole society in the blink of an eye in 10 or 15 years. Not only have we as adults changed how we interact and how we, we live our lives, but our children are being affected. And you're right. It does rewire your brain. And now there's over 200 peer-reviewed studies that show that it actually acts exactly as a digital drug on the brain. And so I, wrote a, I wrote an article for the New York Post, an op-ed called Digital Heroin, 
which went viral with three million hits, and um, I got quite a lot of, uh, you know, they had me on CNN and a few other places because of that article, but most of the people agreed. They saw it. I mean, you see five- and six- and seven-year-olds who can't put down their, their game boxes, and when they do, they, they, they look like drug addicts who have their drugs taken mm-hmm. away, uh, quite yeah. simply. Yeah, it's it's terrible. And look, I, I'm even affected by this. Um, I'm a contractor, and right now we're in Louisiana. There's a lot of contract work, of course, with all this flood damage houses. So, you know, I'm driving an hour plus every day from New Orleans to Baton Rouge to, to go to work and working 18, 20-hour days. When I get off, I find myself, I'm looking at my phone so much throughout the day, trying right. to line up all this work and, and talk to these superintendents and everything. I mean, when I get right. off, I'm still fiddling with my phone when I'm driving, and I know it's dangerous. And I'm looking at the road, and I'm trying to send text messages for work, and I'm trying to listen, and I can't stop touching my phone, especially when I'm tired. And it's it's a damn shame. It's our man. new lover. It's our new lover for adults. It's just what they it's touch exactly the most. Right. And, and by the way, me too. And uh, you know, I don't know how old you got. I'm 52. I don't know how old you are. Um, but yeah, I touch my phone a lot. If it can affect us, and we have, and here's the difference between us and kids, we have a fully developed brain, and we, you know, we should theoretically, but we have a fully developed frontal cortex, and the frontal lobe, the frontal cortex part of the brain, that's the part of our brain that's called the executive functioning. That's the part of our brain that allows us to just say no, to, you know, I consequentially think and say, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, right that part wrong. of the brain doesn't develop until you're 23 or 24 years old, so even those of us who have fully developed brains have a hard time controlling our screen time. What shot does a seven-year-old have or an eight-year-old who gets given a tablet in his school and then is playing Minecraft for eight or nine hours a day? Um, and that's, that's been my biggest beef. My biggest beef is if you're an adult and you want to, you know, I'm a, politically I'm a libertarian, you want to do what you want to do, but Amen. kids don't have a choice in this, and we're exposing kids to something that is essentially a digital drug and then they're getting hooked, and then we're wondering what's happened to a whole generation of, of kids. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm trying to raise some awareness about amongst the parents, uh, that this is not just uh, – it's, it's, it's totally different than television was 25 years ago. Well, well all, all of the, you know, the, the screen, the LED lights and everything, even the, the, the TV, I mean, you look. You can't turn your brain off at night. N- no, look, man, they've done studies with the flicker rates from the lights and the TVs. Right. I mean, it's right. – it's insane what this in it, little bit of energy can really do to our brains. I mean, that just proves, you know, how how electric we are. You know, we're really made up of electricity, and and you know, it just it just proves that, man. It, it's it's it really is it, it really is crazy because I see the people's eyes, and it we're, we're also I think we're forgetting how to love as well. We're we're only a part of ourselves, you know. It's, it's, it's eroding social skills, right? So kids. I mean, I, kids. You know, I worked. I worked with over a thousand kids, teenagers, and kids in the last twelve, thirteen years. They don't make eye contact. They've lost the art of making eye contact. And you know, part of being human is to make eye contact when you communicate. But what you were talking about with the radiant screen, it dysregulates the sleep cycle. So if you're if you're, you know, checking your phone in bed like a lot of us do, and again, I'm guilty of it too. But yep. kids are playing their games in bed, um, so your circadian rhythms get thrown off. So it simulates daytime light, so these kids aren't getting regular good sleep, so they're, they're, they're hyper-aroused by it. The other thing that the digital screen does to kids more than, well, it does it to us as adults as well, but 
the the word is dopaminergic. It raises dopamine levels. It's stimulating. So it's like um, chocolate raises dopamine levels 50%. Sex raises dopamine levels 100%. And cocaine raises dopamine levels 300%. Uh, they did a study where they showed that video games raise your dopamine levels the same amount as sex does. So you know, I call it a digital brain orgasm. So, you know, but we as adults have somewhat... Uh, an ability to have some impulse control. And again, going back to the eight, eight-year-old, if an eight-year-old is having something as stimulating as a brain orgasm, <laughs> and then you're telling them not just do that for 10 minutes, they don't have the impulse control to moderate that, to just say, oh, I'll do it for half an hour. And that's been the biggest problem. So I've worked with kids that have had to be psychiatrically hospitalized because they were gaming so much, they had psychotic breaks. I had three different teenagers over the last few years that were in the game they were in the matrix. They couldn't tell the difference between what was real and what wasn't anymore because they were playing World of Warcraft or Call of Duty for 18, 19 hours a day. They weren't sleeping. They weren't eating. Some of these kids, if you Google, if you Google World of Warcraft in diapers, uh, they're kids, and, and I'm not making this up, who won't sleep or go to the bathroom because they can't pull themselves away from the game, so they'll wear adult depends. So they, they pee their pants while they're playing the game so they don't have to leave for five minutes. Uh, that's how addictive this, these games and these screens can be. I've I seen it personally with some friends of mine. I used to work on tugboats, and these were tugboat captains driving uh, basically, you know, 30,000 barrel bombs in front of them, you know, on the canal. Yeah, pushing harder than anybody. Yeah, yeah dude, 24 hours straight, they're pushing. Six-pack they're, they're, red flags. Yeah, they're, they're playing World of Warcraft. And I seen right. my Jamie one buddy. Crush. It cost him, cost him his marriage, uh, and everything playing World that's of Warcraft. It. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's how addictive these are. So you, you, we didn't tend to see that with television. There True. was nobody watching, you know, Cheers for twenty four hours a day. There was nobody, <laughs> you know, they didn't have the same dopamine effect on the brain. And the difference is that this modern generation of technology, this modern generation of screens, because they're interactive and immersive. That's what makes them more hypnotic and addictive. You know, television used to be passive. I sit on my couch, I watch television. Uh, when I'm playing a game, I'm in it. And it, it pulls me in, it sucks me in, and it has a more uh, activating effect on my brain. And that's the big difference. And now, now with, with holographic reality, HoloLens and, and, and Pokemon Go and all this other nonsense, that's, that's times a thousand now. That's even more... Uh, hypnotizing and addicting it's it's i can't you know it, it's it's we can't even predict where that's going to be in 10 years when this generation of kids discovers really fully discovers virtual reality games uh, i had one young man who was a, a video game uh, addicted uh, 17 year old hey doctor doctor hold that thought we're coming to a break sure. ladies and gentlemen we have dr nicholas cardaris uh, on the line with us he's the author of glow kids how screen addiction is hijacking our kids and how to break the chance uh, excuse me how to break the trance please go buy his book check it out very thought-provoking. Uh, you listen to Battle of New Orleans right here on 990 AM WGSO in the heart of the Crescent City. We'll be right back.
Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. You're listening to Battle of New Orleans Radio right here on 990 AM WGSO in the heart of the Crescent City. We have Dr. Nicholas Pardaris on the line with us. Uh, he's written a, a fantastic book, Glow Kids. Please go check it out. Doctor, there was a, here's an article I pulled up. I think it's from the Daily Mail. Yeah, the Guardian, excuse me. Public Health in England announced that too much time in front of the TV and computer screen is causing increasing psychological problems such as depression and anxiety in children. And that, that comes from, you know, the England government. So, you know, other nations admit this. Uh, is there studies here in the United States, um, you know, through, that our government is sponsored that, that uh, admits this? Not necessarily government sponsored, but there are some uh, university levels that have been done that that are showing that. So, the the four or five main clinical disorders that that studies have shown that excessive screen usage can lead to in kids has been ADHD. We know that uh, that was at the University of Washington. Uh, Dr. Christakis did this research that basically showed that, in essence. Our whole ADHD epidemic is a result of kids who are getting hyperstimulated, who during the key times in their childhood when they're supposed to be learning how to be able to focus and, you know, use their uh, attentional abilities. You know, when a kid is five or six years old, he's supposed to be playing with Legos and playing with a stick and some, going outside and playing baseball. Some Lincoln loves. <laughs> yeah, learn how to build stuff, using their motor skills, learn how to change a tire. That's exactly what develops your neurosynaptic connections, hand-eye coordination type of things. But if that kid is just getting hyper-stimulated by an interactive screen, so we've seen that that really amplifies the, the attentional disorder effect. So these kids who are screen kids are having much higher rates of ADHD. Uh, social media is a big part of the anxiety part. Uh, there's a thing they call Facebook depression now. The, the more Facebook friends you have, the higher probability of depression that you have and they attribute that to a thing called the social comparison effect if uh if i'm kind of feeling a little bit bummed out and i go on my facebook page and all i see is everybody's happy vacation photographs and smiling mm-hmm. you know uh their best selves their best foot forward me, exactly that makes me feel more down exactly i'm amazing on facebook <laughs> right. i really am no, nobody posts pictures of them looking depressed on a friday night on facebook right they post their best shots and and so that has an amplifying effect on a person already feeling down. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a thing also called hypertexters and hypernetworkers. And people, those are people who, who um, are on social media more than three hours a day are hypernetworkers. And hypertexters are teenagers who text more than 150 times a day. And they've correlated those. Uh, that was at actually uh, Case Western University did some research on that that showed they're more likely to be sexually promiscuous. They're more likely to uh, have behavioral problems at school. They're more likely to have uh, a bunch of behavioral uh, disorders that, that you would associate with that. Um, and then the other one is psychosis. Um, they have found that kids who are really immersed in their video worlds blur reality sometimes. And, and sometimes it could be mild where a kid couple of hours or days after they've played their game, they'll see or hear parts of the game. They'll hear gunshots, or they'll hear a sword swipe, or they'll hear some of the music from the game. Or it can be totally uh, a psychotic break, like some of the clients that I've worked with that were fully in the matrix, and they couldn't even tell what was real and what wasn't anymore because they've been playing so much. So we're seeing this, you know, this is not, this is not light stuff. And the problem, and in my book I write about this quite a bit, is 
the schools are the drug dealers of the digital drug. The schools have been totally conned by technology companies. Absolutely. The technocracy. Into this line that they're educational, and there's not one, not one research study that shows that a kid with an iPad is a better student or gets better grades when they get older. And it's just, it's just a line of BS that, you know, it's a money-making industry. It's a 60, just, just the education in the classroom part is $60 billion a year worldwide. Wow. And so Microsoft, Apple, they all have an agenda to convince school districts that little Johnny and Susie need an iPad in kindergarten. Um, and, and that's the most absurd part of that argument is that Steve Jobs, who invented the iPad, didn't let his kids have iPads. Um, Bill Gates didn't use a computer until he was 13. The top designers in Silicon Valley who design video technology, they put their kids in non-technology Montessori and Waldorf schools. So the people who are making this stuff don't let their kids have it. But meanwhile, they're selling it to our kids. And, and that's what I have a real issue with. It's, you know, I'm all for capitalism, but not at my kids' expense. Well, we, we see this over and over, Doctor, you know, with, with, with these corporations. I mean, it's just about them. It's not about the well-being of us. Or, or you know, you see that with, uh, you know, a lot of this Common Core stuff as well. I mean, regardless of where you, you stand or don't stand on Common Core, it's really corporations gaming our children. And we see the biggest pushers like Bill Gates. Bill Gates, in my opinion, is such a demon, but that's just me. He... he you know, his kids, you know, they don't participate in Common Core, but yet he promotes the hell out of it. Right. I'll tell you what happened in New York, talking about, and, and I call it video gaming in the classroom. Um, in New York, the New York City Schools Chancellor was a guy called Joel Klein. And Joel Klein had never been a teacher, never been an educator. He was a Harvard lawyer, and he was running the New York City school system, 1.2 million students from uh, 2002 to uh, 2011 when he retired. And in 2011, he got hired by Rupert Murdoch uh, to head up a company called Amplify. And he got hired at $2 million a year with a million-dollar signing bonus. Now, I only thought athletes got signing bonuses. I didn't realize uh, school administrators got signing bonuses. But so he got his signing bonus, and he got his $2 million a year. And they hired 600 video game designers to work out of a warehouse in Brooklyn to basically create and again, to, to video game the classroom. So they, they created their own tablet, the Amplified tablet, and they were creating school content, you know, history lessons, math, all in the form of a video game. And, and the narrative, what they were telling people is, well, kids today, they don't have the attention span for traditional education, so let's, let's meet the kids where the kids are. Let, let's make everything a video game for them. Now, the problem was it's the video games that have created the loss of the attention span and and this total money grab, and what happened is Rupert Murdoch put over a billion dollars into this company and, and hired Joel Klein as basically his education frontman to legitimize this, this endeavor. And they had no research to back it up, but they went, he was the carnival barker for Rupert Murdoch's uh, money grab at EdTech, and because EdTech they saw as the Wild West, it was unregulated, and Common Core was at the cause of it because... In 2010, when Common Core first got developed, all and they're called entrepreneurs, by the way, people that are trying to capitalize on education technology. What the Common Core did is, in the old days, when you had textbook uh, publishers, and they used to be the three big ones that made textbooks, it was about a $7 billion a year industry. But you had to make 
textbooks state-by-state standards. So you had to make separate textbooks for Alabama, separate textbooks for New Hampshire, separate textbooks for every state of the country. So it was hard to really cash out on it. But then when Common Core came around and it essentially federalized it and made it 45 states adopted Common Core, ka-ching, that's when people like Rupert Murdoch said, you mean I can make a tablet that meets all this Common Core requirements and I could sell it to every kid in the country and I could sell them the software and license it every year. They have to pay me a licensing fee in all these school districts. And so that's what happened. They, they went into these school districts and they convinced some of these school administrators who were well-intentioned and some of them were not. But they basically conned them into thinking that they needed to computerize their classrooms when the best school system in the world, by all standards, is Finland. And Finland threw out all the computers. Finland said, we're not letting computers in the classroom. We're going to stick to traditional teaching methods, the Socratic circles, you know, a teacher, uh, an educated teacher teaching students in the classroom, and all the other gizmos are, are distractions. And, and, and yet we bought this hook, line, and sinker, and that's what's happening right now. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, do one more segment with us, Doc. I see that there's 20, there's 20 minutes left uh, before the debate. If you could, I want to come back and be a brief segment where we could talk about some solutions and you can promote your uh, book sure. or any website. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Battle of New Orleans Radio. We have Dr. Nicholas Kadaris on the line with us. Go check out his book, Glow Kids. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We've got one more segment with Dr. Nicholas Kadaris. We appreciate his time. I know he's a busy man. He wants to get back to the debates, and we got we got it playing. There's uh, 16 minutes before the debate uh, comes on. Doctor, we've been talking about you know some of the issues with this the screen time. Of course, what what are some solutions? I mean, I know because it's easy to say, oh, just just don't let your kid use it. But look, man, we're all guilty. I have a 15 year old daughter in the 10th grade they want to fit in and, and she even goes to a private school and and unfortunately you know they they use the, the she's got a tablet for everything but i will say on fridays they make them unplug they oh, they, they yeah. won't they, yeah. they they do have like a they, and they want them to unplug before the weekend they don't want them to be all you know that's their yeah, they, theory they don't want them zoning in on what their weekend plans are yeah. but i mean what happens if a kid doesn't have one of these cool phones or, or yeah. god forbid has a flip phone they're going to get in big trouble for that and their social yeah. cereal yeah the madison avenue tell them that's not acceptable but w- w- what are some solutions doctor well yeah so you know real life versus digital life is, is really the solution and having right. kids, you know get involved in you know healthy normal social stuff you know but but unfortunately, we know. Look, I, I had, I got one young guy. I'm, I'm working with. Ironically enough, I'm doing Skype sessions with him because he's in a rehab in Texas right now. But he's a 19-year-old young guy, and he was all-state wrestling champ. Did all the right things. Straight-A student, wrestling champ, good-looking kid. You know, all, all the right things. And he started playing this one game, RuneScape, and it sucked him in. 19 hours a day, flunked out of school, stopped wrestling, lost 40 pounds. Um, and, and, and his parents educated good people and they didn't know how this crept up on them, you know, so it does seem that even when you do the right things, this can sneak up on you. So constantly monitoring, you know, your kids, not, not just the screen usage, but how is the screen affecting them? Like with any addiction, you, you've got to start looking for the red flags. Is your kid beginning to now 
remove himself more and more from the things that they used to love to do? Are they no longer playing baseball or, or basketball or hanging out with their friends? Are they now being more and more in front of the screen? And when you start seeing that tipping point, that's when you do have to unplug. Dr. Victoria Dunkley in Los Angeles, and she says, and I've done it as well, it doesn't work unless you unplug your kid for six weeks. It takes six weeks for your, your the brain's uh, to get to reset itself to go back to its baseline and so unplugging kids for six weeks and then slowly seeing how much technology they can handle can they handle uh you know half an hour of this or 10 minutes of that because i will tell you it's it's you know i run a pretty big rehab here in new york and i work with heroin addicts alcoholics all sorts of different addictions and treating genuine tech addiction is more challenging than treating a heroin addict because we know how to treat heroin addiction. We, we have the protocols, and we know how to get somebody clean and sober, and we know that abstinence is, you know, once you get clean, you don't use heroin again. But like you guys said with technology, I get somebody clean off of technology after a few weeks, but then they're going to be exposed to technology again. It's almost like an eating disorder. A person's got to be exposed to food. They have to learn how to have a healthy relationship with food if they've developed a problem with it. They have to learn how to have a healthy relationship with technology. Um, so treating it can be really difficult. That's why the, I think the key is prevention, is, is making sure your kids don't fall down the rabbit hole to begin with. And so that means really being careful at what age they get exposed to. That seems to be a big part of this thing. Kids who are exposed to tablets when they're four or five have much more uh, challenging times than the kids who get exposed when they're 12 or 13. So if you can wait, wait. You know, the longer you can hold off the screen, try to do that if at all possible. Uh, if you're having dinner with your family, don't have any electronics at the table, actually talk to them. And, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis used to do a public service announcement years ago, and she used to say the best anti-drug was lasagna. You know, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Dinner with your family, you're, the statistics show they're less likely to fall into some bad habits, and it's the same with screen time. Um, but, you know, if your kid's sort of the average user but kind of turns beginning to develop a problem, it's really setting limits and, and challenging them to say, you've got to earn your screen time, you know, you can't just be on, you know, you have to have, let's say, one day where you're unplugged, or that after you do some chores and you do your homework, you can get a certain amount of screen time. But if they've crossed that line, the only solution, you know, once they really cross the line and it's genuine screen addiction, then the only solution is to take the plug away. Right, I guess kind of like kind of like detox or a heroin addict or or you know an alcoholic, um, and they react the same way too. By the way, they get, wow. they get aggressive, they get violent, and some and they go through physical withdrawal too, uh, exactly the same as a as a drug addict does. It's it's, it's amazing to see that, by the way. Wow, um, I, there's there's a rule I try to enact on myself, and, and that's I, I don't bring my phone. I leave, I live in a two story uh, house, and I, I try to. Of course, one night a week or so, the phone comes to my room. But I attempt to leave my phone every night plugged in um, downstairs. That that way, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, the signals aren't just beating my brain all night, you know, messing with my sleep patterns. You know, I'm yeah. trying to get trying to get my wife to do the same thing, but but it's hard. You know, Candy Crush got her. <laughs> well, my my wife, you know, I, I you know, because I, I run this 24 hour rehab, so sometimes I have to have my phone because some right. Sometimes emergencies, but my wife makes me put it in the drawer in the boxes. She's, you know, I'll self disclose. My wife had a cancer uh, issue a couple of years back, and uh, and her doctor told her these these are basically microwave radiation boxes, and you got to keep them away as far away from you as you can. And so she's 
more even more sensitized than I am. You know, she's like, if you have to have the phone by your bed, put it in your drawer, and you could hear it ring in the drawer in your nightstand. Um, but she doesn't want it more than three feet from her because of the radiation effect. Well, that, that's pretty small. We got four minutes left with Dr. Nicholas Kadara. So I'm going to bring up one other point and then, and then let him speak on his uh, any websites or uh, books or future projects. I'm going to go kind of conspiratorial on you here, doctor. I mean, I I'll often wonder if you tie in with a lot of the aluminum they're finding everywhere. I'm not going to say how it's getting there, but a lot of the aluminum they're finding everywhere in the sky. I wonder if you tie that in with a lot of the the frequencies and and you know a lot of the other heavy metals that are being pumped into us. I wonder if that you know has a crazy effect uh, uh, on us. I mean, I know it's kind of it's kind of a weird statement, wow. but. Look, I'll I'll meet you on the conspiracy part because, and I, and we don't even have to go aluminum. Right. Uh, 1985, Neil Postman was an NYU professor, and he wrote a book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he, at that time, he was talking about television. He was comparing it to Brave New World. Uh -huh. Remember Brave New World? They had a drug called uh, Soma. Oh, yes. And, <laughs> go and they, figure. And they used to give, the government was giving people Soma to keep them in sort of a control, compliant. Right. Uh, I work with a lot of, wealthy kids and a lot of poor black kids uh, and they are both as hypnotized and and the kids who are hypnotized by their screens they can't tell you I mean some of them can't even tell you who's running for president some of them can't tell you what's going on around the world around them whether what's going on in the uh, geopolitical world and now whether that's by design I, I, I happen to think look back in it's, I'm an addiction specialist, and uh, one thing they used to teach us is back in the days of slavery, they used to give every uh, male slave every Saturday, they used to give him a bottle of moonshine because they know that a drunk slave wasn't going to organize, wasn't going to escape, wasn't going to get educated, wasn't going to raise themselves up. And, um, and that same thing happened with, you know, so there's a little bit of a crack conspiracy theory that it was a way to keep people sort of... Uh, uh, and under control. Yeah. Well, to me, this is digital crack. It's keeping a lot of young kids sedated and distracted from what might be going on in the world around us, which I think we're all aware of. <laughs> yeah. And well, I think, I, you know, and, and that's right on. There's papers, there's books that have been been written by some of these internationalists that, that prove, you know, a lot of these things that, you know, th this, you know, it's like Brave New World. It's like a, like a handbook, you know, right. f for the right. future. And it, that, you know, crack. I mean, you look at the freeway Ricky Ross story where the CIA was bringing it in. So there's a lot of validity to the government and shadow government, you know, uh, you know, letting these programs loose on us and then using them to control us. Look, we got two minutes left, doctor. Please uh, tell us any future uh, projects you're working on or anything that's front and center in your life. Well, we are making a documentary about the book Low Kids, or, which I think is going to be uh, hopefully out in about a few months. It should be out by the spring, and that, that'll be out in movie theaters, and we're trying to get that on uh, television as well. And it is going to be uh, a warning call. It's going to be a little bit kind of like uh, Fast Food Nation. It's going to be like, because uh, I'm comparing a lot of these screens a little bit to the tobacco industry. These companies know that they're doing some damage, and they're still trying to make their money and like you just uh, pointed out i think control us i think there's a controlling mechanism here so the documentary will, will be coming out uh, i've got my website uh www.drcardaras k-a-r-d-a-r-a-s.com and i've got a lot of resources and supports there i do do a lot of uh, talks all over the country for uh, everywhere from universities to 
just communities who want to be uh, awakened to some of these realities. And, uh, and of course, the book is available on Amazon, and that's Glow Kids. Uh, and if you have young kids, just be really careful with uh, these screens are not the screens that we grew up on. They're very different. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think we need to be careful about. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely, man. Please buy this man's book. Please check him out, drkadaris.com. Look, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very important and pertinent issue. Please don't take this lightly. And also, doctor, you know, there's a, a local movie theater here in New Orleans that, that likes to play documentaries. So when it's time to release the film, let me know, and we'll do what we can to uh, get get, a, uh, get it on screen here in New Orleans and promote it. Oh, by, oh, by all means. Hey, absolutely. Appreciate it, man. God bless. Have a great night. Enjoy the debate. Battle of New Orleans Radio, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. It's the Battle of New Orleans Radio, radio Bringing truth to your eardrums Here we go, here we go It's the Battle of New Orleans Radio, radio Bringing truth to your eardrums Here we go, here we go uh, The last line of defense Bringing truth to the front Now it's time to begin As we ride to the end Don't try to pretend That you don't Ladies and gentlemen, we're back listening to Battle of New Orleans Radio. I see you, Gary King. I'm about to get to you. We're having a heated, friendly debate. Friendly debate. It's yeah, all good. It's, yeah, it, with it, our uh, Croatian from uh, Ivan. Ivan from Croatia is in studio. We're going to have him talk a little bit later on about what's going on in the EU and if he's uh, so kind as to do that for us. Again, we're really tired tonight. Worked a long day. And sorry to uh, complain about that, but we, we, we do this show as best we can. We come into the studio sometimes after like a 15-hour day. I woke up at 4. Yeah, Nathan, what time did you wake up, man? 4.30. Yeah, I mean, it's brutal. I uh, drove the Baton Rouge, drove all over. I probably drove 500 yeah. miles today. Exactly. And, you know, we were, we were talking in the break about, you know, kind of just talking about how uh, whether or not these uh, smartphones are uh, the, the death of us. Or obviously, they have a lot of great I'm, I'm no, addicted. I'm 100% guilty of it. We all are. We're all addicted. And I mean, you know, but then again, I wouldn't be able to talk to my Croatian body over there. Absolutely. If it wasn't or touch base with my family but, over there. It, like it's I, a tool just like anything it. else. Go yeah. in, but, but the problem is. It can be co-opted. It, it's, they're using, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 the, the screen, is a, it can be a weapon if you look at it too much. I mean, I, we see, I mean, it's undisputable. We can't argue what we, well, how we see the people. The people's brains, uh, you know, we, we see them walking around. They're holding their phones. They can't look up. They, their attention span's gone. The average, the average attention span is seven seconds. It's well, less than a goldfish. Listen, Doctor Duke's going to call in in a little bit to explain what happened with this Facebook fan page uh, getting shut down by Zuckerberg. But on line one, we yeah, got that's... Gary King on, and producer Anthony. If you don't mind, we'll bring him on for a second. Uh -huh. what's Go up? ahead, Gary. How's Our it buddy going, Gary, man? what's up, brother? Hey, how y'all doing? Going, man, what's going on with these debates? The JFK show's canceled. Dr. Fetzer doesn't want to do anything but watch the debate. So I said, <laughs> well, man, we got to call Battle of New Orleans. Going, I, I wanted you on the show so bad the other night. We tried to make the connection, but uh, know, it was man. about the uh, Black Lives Matter. So <laughs> I thought I'd call up. I would like, to, really like to get your, now that we've had a couple of weeks to digest the whole thing, I mean, just what the heck happened there? In, hey, hey, in hey, Gary, hold up. Turn your smartphone down. I can hear it coming through. The uh, You hear all that frequency. Our radio wave hit back at my ear. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm We're just... messing with our in-studio <laughs> guest. 
Oh, no, so go Gary, ahead, Gary, what was your question? Yeah, you, you, you guys were interviewing Nathan about what happened. Of course, Dr. Duke was there at the Jackson Square uh, event. Well, what exactly was your question, though, Gary? My question is, is what was your viewpoint after you've had, you've had guests on, you had a doctor from Tulane talking about it? Um, what do you feel like happened in the end? Because it, it looks to me like there was no press coverage whatsoever. Um, was it basically a payoff to the New Orleans Police Department? Yeah, just what's your take on it? I really wanted to get that. I mean, you were there my, on the ground. Yeah, I mean, we were walking around there. We got there early. The day of the Jackson Square uh, Take Him Down NOLA event, of course, Nathan infiltrated the meeting a couple weeks prior, became somewhat of a local story. The local media was talking a lot about it before it happened, you know, then uh, David Duke shows up and then you had kind of uh, the NOPD, Gary, seemed to be prepared to defend that Jackson statue more so than what you're seeing with these four monuments. The P.T. Burgard, the Least uh, Circle a Statue, Liberty Monument. Uh, you know, things like that. So, I mean, the local media now, as far as the foreign monuments is concerned, you don't hear a peep about that. You don't hear WWL uh -huh. talking about it. So I think they're gone. Now, back to the Jackson, back to the Jackson uh, situation. Uh, actually, we got D Dr. Duke on line six, and we'll bring him on to maybe bring this up in a second. But, uh, you know, obviously they saw, showed tension there. We actually saw some of the same infiltrators from the Trump rally a girl who goes by the name of Montero, supposedly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. She was getting in our face about our T-shirt saying, Goyam this, Goyam that. Uh, but to answer your question, I felt good to have – I felt personally uh, happy to have shown up. You know, There wasn't much of a resistance, but I felt like they failed. I didn't think the Jackson Square uh, statue was ever in danger. I just think it would have been too much of a black eye on the city had Landry let this happen. And uh, Nathan, what's your take on that? I, I think, you know, it's like multifaceted. I think that, you know, it was a giant exercise. Um, I think it was to also create, you know, a nuisance, of course. Um, I mean, I think it's just multifaceted. I think, you know, they, they also, uh, you know, it, I think they like to social engineer us, man. I think they like to, to, to play with us. And hey, listen, I remember the fat guy. Yeah, yeah, I remember the fat guy, right. Oh, the okay. fat guy who was defending himself in all the pictures, right? Right, Well, right. listen, listen, he came up to my cousin, and he walked up and says, are you ready? He's like, ready for what? He's like, um, he's like, uh, yeah, um, you're going to have to get ready to stand up for this. Just saying, you know, I mm -hmm. guess because it's like one that, white guy looking at another that, white guy out there and assuming he's here to, you know, whatever. I'll give you an example with my situation. Well, that, pro that proves Gary's point because I know what Gary's about to say about him. Gary's about to say he was, he, he was some kind of operative or provocateur. And then there was the guy, the black guy that pushed him. And yeah, I saw. And that was the picture. Around. That was the picture. And, that and, was. And then there was the other guy. Right. And then there was another guy who basically jumped into the arms of the New Orleans Police Department and said, arrest me. So in the end, the fat guy did get arrested, and so did the black guy. So the three people that basically started the whole thing, uh -huh. um, but it it, um, it didn't seem like there was any resistance. They put the cuffs around, and, and he went along. And, and Gary, listen, anything. Gary, we're going to bring Dr. Duke on in a second to bring this exact situation up besides some other mm -hmm. things really briefly for about two segments. He's on the line number six. Um Go ahead, Doctor Duke. Come on, come on the air right now, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm right here. Oh yeah, I'm listen. Uh, we were just discussing, Doctor Duke. Uh, Gar yeah, Gary King called in. He was at the event. I just want to say one thing. You know, I had a, a hat which was given to me 
you know, again, it was given to me, by, you know, David Duke uh, for Senate. I put the hat down for a second, you know, along with my other things. Like I had a, a like a drink and whatnot. And this, um, I guess you could say like, I don't know, um, hipster type comes up to me and says, is that your hat? Is that your hat? And they were really upset about this hat. And they, you know, again, you know, um, Dr. Duke knows all about the situation down there. So, Gary, go ahead. If you have any questions to Dr. Duke and his take on the situation or or Dr. Duke, I think Gary actually hung up. Um, yeah, I, I, could, I can comment on it. Go ahead. I was there for two hours. Uh, and I, I think that, and by the way, I think the statue wasn't necessarily in danger that day, but it was certainly in danger uh, a couple of days earlier because we had a lot of people call down the mayor's office. And we said, well, you're going to defend the statue. And I said, it's not our purview. It uh, belongs to the, the, the uh, park service or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we called the police department. And even the police department told our people that, well, that's not our, that's not our jurisdiction. That's uh, the park service or something. That's a, that's a protected monument or something. So that's not our, our, our jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And we, you have to talk to the, uh, you know, you got to talk to the people that, that, that monitor these things for a federal historical site. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I think it could have been possible for it to go down. But once they knew that there was a lot of protest from, from people like ourselves, I think that helped keep the monument up. And then at that point, when it became an issue, then Morrell, you know, realized he didn't show up there himself, of course. But I, but I also think that, you know, we really should have had, uh, you know, 10,000, 100,000 people down there because – Obviously, our heritage is under attack in this country. They hate our heritage. The media hates it. And uh, by the way, Andrew Jackson, the only reason why Andrew Jackson would be, his staff should be threatened to take down is because it's just massive, nasty, horrible uh, propaganda and insult them, even even from so-called conservatives like that Indian guy, uh, Dusa, whatever his name is. He did that thing on Clinton, and he portrayed Andrew Jackson as this evil, evil American when he's actually an American hero captured by the British in the American Revolution. Amen. One of our greatest presidents saved the, saved the country, really, because probably the War of 1812 had been started over again. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing that he was such a great president, such a great leader, and his name's been stripped off the, the money. So we have to understand it's not just Black Lives Matter. The media is at war with uh, the heritage of the European-American people in this country. Hey, Dr. Duke, really quickly. You know, we weren't intending to, per se, have you on the show, but we wanted to talk to you a little bit about what happened with your Facebook fan page. And after this break, we're going to get back here, your two cents on that, what you got going on with your U.S. Senate race. And uh, we actually got Gary King back on the line, so we're going to hear his two cents on the Jackson statue. We'll be right back. Battle of Orleans Radio, 990 a.m. All right, we're back with Dr. David Duke, and uh, I think we got Gary King on the line as well. Um, again, we're, we're, we're only going to have Dr. Duke on for a short time. He's going to kind of let us know what happened with his Facebook page. Um, I want to hear his take on that about two days ago, from what I understand. His Facebook fan page just up and disappeared. Uh, censorship is alive and well on Facebook, and I wanted to hear what uh, Dr. Duke had to say about that. Well, that's right, and because you know they, we're getting to be like a Soviet state these days. I mean, you think about it today. Social media. We're is, beyond that. Yeah, that's right. Social media is like 
um, absolutely, it's the way people communicate, uh, even more than by telephone in a lot of ways, uh, normally with the telephone lines. And social media is the way that we share that. And by controlling social media and controlling what discussion we make and controlling how we group together and we talk about issues and we share issues, uh, what they're do, really doing is they're trying to control the uh, the thought patterns of the country, like a thought crime is what Orwell talked about in 1984. I mean, that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. And they, they have 24 candidates in this race. Most of them have Facebook pages. And uh, they're spending a lot of money on them as well and lots of other ads across the country. I don't have that kind of money. I don't have any Goldman Sachs money like uh, <laughs> Bustani and uh, some of these others do and, and Carolyn Fayard and many others. She, she's um, the worst, Dr. Duke. Man, Car- well, Carolyn Fayard is, well, is horrible. All, let me tell you something. They're all bad. They're, no, I'm with you. They're Republican sellouts. I'm with you. Or they're Democratic uh, absolute enemies. But, uh, you know, the Republicans have done this to us as much as the Democrats Absolutely. have. The Republicans have controlled the House and the Senate for a long time now. And yet they financed Obamacare. They've done all these things. It's just insane. And we, and not a single Republican in this country or Democrat will actually, actually stand up and say the true things. Like today I did a show on the fact that uh, Hillary Clinton absolutely admitted in these uh, emails, admitted in terms of a Goldman Sachs parent to her bosses, right, the most biggest predator bank in the world. She admitted that Saudi Arabia has been the biggest source of jihadist, internet, uh, radical Islamic terrorism of any country in the world. And we've been supporting Saudi Arabia. That's our ally. We've been supporting them. And they gave Saudi, Saudi Arabia gave her, her $25 million. That makes her guilty of aiding the terrorist ISIS movement. And also Saudi Arabia has been supporting al-Qaeda. I mean, it's the same group that did 9-11, according to our government. Mm-hmm. I mean, we... It's just insane to think about this, but she admitted this, but she didn't admit it to the public. She admitted it to her private bosses in private that Saudi Arabia has been behind ISIS and been the primary force behind it. Instead, the media is talking about Trump's locker room talk. You know, he's going to be on in television in just a few minutes and yep. uh, in a debate, and I'm anxious to see how that comes out. Hey, it, he, it's really disgusting. He's on right now, Dr. Duke. It's on C-SPAN right well, now. Well, listen, we're not going to take too much of Dr. Duke's time. Uh, Gary, if you're on line one and you have a question for Dr. Duke, we also have Jay from Covington who might want to ask you a quick question, and then we'll let you wrap things up or anything concerning your Senate race. Uh, go ahead, Gary, on line one. Are you there? Yes, I am. All right. Dr. Duke, um, I just have yes, a question. It's a concern the Black Lives Matter. I, um, do you have any experience on how much money is involved as far as what the New Orleans Police Department would make off of this uh, protest? Now, uh, someone told me the permit for a, a protest of that magnitude was $1,000. Um, they had two motorcycle policemen that had Decatur roped off. There was eight. There was eight altogether, Gary. I'm sorry? There was eight. I've seen eight motorcycle cops. Okay, but then they were escorted from Congo Square to the um, Jackson Square. So I was wondering, I mean, just how much money is involved in, in obtaining the permits, just in, in a legal way of doing this? And uh, my second question would be, um, after the entire event has um, come to pass, it looked to me like there was no local or national coverage. There was no print of the whole event. So what would you surmise as what actually was accomplished by this um, Jackson Square Black Lives Matter take them down NOLA event? Good question, Gary. That's my question, then I'll hang up and listen. Those are two good questions. Thank you, Gary. Generally speaking, uh, this is is the fact that 
I don't even think permits are necessary. When you have a political protest, which is what, what they said they were doing, uh, you don't have to pay for a permit. You really actually don't. Uh, you, you, you have a right to march, and they must, uh, they must provide you some, obviously, order uh, in a march. This, this is kind of allowed. It's not like uh, that. But uh, here's the situation with Black Lives Matter. It has been financed massively by some of these international bankers really with really neo-Marxist and Marxist bankers like George Soros, one of the most evil men in the world and the biggest contributor, one of the biggest to Hillary Clinton. And the fact is that his organization gave them hundreds of thousands of dollars on and uh, let them travel over the country and flew them around and took them up, put them up in top hotels and support. They gave a tremendous amount of support to them. And remember that the media, has been extremely positive toward Black Lives Matter. There's been a couple things on Fox News, but even I even saw some Fox News interviews where they treated these people like they were saints. Hey, hey, Dr. Duke, I think the Ford Foundation has given them upwards to $100 million. Now, I don't know what the numbers are, and that, that sounds a little high to me, but who knows? But I know that Soros source gave him a lot of money. Well, and uh, well, he spent, so, You remember he spent $33 million just just when the whole Ferguson deal was going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you, we're, we're getting to the point where I really believe that the Black Lives Matter types and communist types that are doing this, uh, what, they're, what they're doing is they're like the shock troops. So in Soviet Union, of course, I've studied Soviet history. And I've got a book on it called The Secret Behind Communism, mm-hmm. which is read all over the world now. But the, if you look at the Soviet Union, remember, they, they tried to mobilize what they call the proletariat against the state. We don't really have the same proletarian element as they have in terms of a poor, just of the same class of the Russian people. And I think they see the black masses and the non-white masses in America as, as their kind of modern proletariat. So they're imbuing them with tremendous hatred against white people, and they're imbuing white people with a lot of uh, self-guilt and uh, self-hate uh, in a lot of ways. And that I think that they... And also what they're doing is by, by presenting this whole thing of Black Lives Matter, that the blacks are being shot down by police, and this is a problem of white racism. What they're doing by that is they're inciting the blacks, and they're help, helping to mobilize the black bloc vote politically and the Mexican-American uh, vote politically uh, to, you know, as, as for their candidate. Uh, George Soros, you know, he's, he's definitely somebody's funding, you know, uh, Clinton, and Clinton is here is her is his agent, and so is Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs even put money in her own pocket, like you talked about earlier. So uh, this is what's going on, and I think that they see these minions as as in effect their shock troops, and I think that what they're doing is a revolution based on two things. One is violence. The other thing, remember now. Black Lives Matter wouldn't be anything in this country except the fact the media is promoting it, and that's really what's going on. And the media did, did the same thing in Louisiana. The NOLA and also the Baton Rouge Advocate, they lionized this Alton Sterling, this pedophile who was waving a gun around, and then he tried to shoot a police officer and made a hero out of him. And then when the, when the policemen were, were killed, uh, they come to the funeral, and in, instead of, uh, you know, they— they didn't even interview the, the, the parents of the policemen who died or, or the children of the policemen who died or the wives of the policemen who died. No, they interviewed all the, the, the wives and, her, and, and relatives of, the, of, these, of this criminal Alton Sterling that had a arrest record the size of your arm. I mean, so that's, that's the reality. This is your local media. These people are your enemy. 
Well, Dr. Duke, listen, Dr. Duke, we're coming up. We got one minute left. Uh, any final things you want to say? We're going to try to get you on our show before the election. Oh, Sorry to hear. Great, by the so- way, we're doing super. We're getting lots of people. We got robocalls going out today. We've, we reached 250,000 people just tonight. I've got thousands of people pressing one to support us and take our country back to vote for Duke and Trump. We're doing great. We're going to shock all of them. This is the way that we can just about blow the lid off the Capitol and elect me up there. There's no way you can make a stronger statement against this sick establishment than to vote for me and to vote for Trump. All right, Dr. Duke, thanks. Dr. Duke, thanks for uh, calling us and then clarifying the situation with the Jackson statue again. And yeah, also, we appreciate it. And also the situation with your Facebook fan page. We're going to open up the lines to our general callers and uh, close things out. Got about 30 more minutes. and uh, We're going to bring Yvonne on. Yeah, we're going to bring Yvonne on, our European guest. He's in studio. And uh, we'll be right back. Battle of New Orleans Radio, 990 a.m. Little singing. I know, I know it was on the air. They're talking about vaccines and police state. Well, that's here. We got mandatory vaccines that are being rolled out in California. Be coming to Louisiana soon. Just roll up your roll out your sleeve and get vaccinated because it's coming. It's coming. Mandatory vaccines are here. Global government is here. They admit the shadow government is real. They're trying to start a nuclear war. With Russia. And we're watching the debate right now. It's on mute right now. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably watching that, and our typical listeners might not. But listen, we brought Ivan, our Croatian special guest, all the way from Croatia. He's in New Orleans for a month. He took a He's train from Croatia. How did he get here? He took a he train. He took a boat over here. Oh, he oh, there's boat? oh, there's water between us? There's water between us. He Croatia, with that, great, that's Central America. Very nautical. No, it's uh, near the, uh, the China? Adriatic. China? Adriatic Sea. Oh, Adriatic. beautiful! The prettiest place. That's about, about the Pacific. Huh? No one knows about it. About the Pacific, Adriatic, somewhere over there. But listen, um, Yvonne's <laughs> going to get on the air in a little bit. He's over here. We got the headphones on him. Uh, we got line two. We got Phil the Patriot. Listen, you're on the air with Goyam, Caleb, Nathan, and Yvonne. Go man, ahead. I forgot Caleb was on the air. Good guy. Caleb's we need, there. We need to bring Caleb on, man. We're tripping. Hello, hello. This is Phil the Patriot. Can you hear me? Yeah, Yvonne hears you. Yeah, I'm watching the beginning of World War Three. Oh. Donald Trump versus Hillary, Hillary, Ku Klux Klan, Parenthood, Clinton. Right now, she looks uh. like she's got a bunch of snakes coming out of her head like Medusa. I can barely look at it. But I want to warn you all about something. Halloween's coming up. And people all over the place the are clowns. buying all kinds of clown masks. Yeah, the clowns. They're clowning around a whole lot. And I think it's a big, huge opportunity for a terrorist attack across the United States of America. Hmm. And I've been experiencing Earth. something at one of my three jobs. And, and my good friend, Nathan, has picked me up from that job a couple of times. There's three people that work there, two of them female. Some to work wearing black military fatigues. And they also wear a militant. that says, yeah, they wear black, wearing black military fatigues, and they wear T-shirts that say, uh, society fears our progress. And that's mm. on the front of the shirt. And on the back of the shirt, it says, black panther terrorist lives matter, and your opinion does not. And the, Phil, 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 wait, before you disconnect, yeah. Phil, what, so these are coworkers of yours? Yes, they are. 
It's one of yeah. my three jobs, and Nathan picks me up from him once in a while when I come <laughs> do the show over there. And I'm tired of working with these people. I want to see guy. Nathan is a good guy. To be employed. I, I, I want America to start a mandatory drug test to have a driver's license, food stamps, welfare, and even a job. That well, would accept the communist apocalypse. Wake up! All right, Phil. Thanks hey, for calling you, us you, up. You know, I love you, Phil, but I can't agree with all that. Mandatory drug I'm test. We're supposed we're supposed to be free, right? Yeah, and I'm not surprised though with the whole formation propaganda and the Beyonce uh, tour and uh, this and that. Hello, uh, we got Eric from Kenner. Oh, we got Eric from Kenner. You're on the air with Yvonne, uh, Goyam, Nathan, and Caleb. Go ahead. Hey, hey guys, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Cool. Uh, hey, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about possible revolution in the nation. Okay, and I think mm -hmm. that that's a whole lot of bluster. I, I think people don't realize what they're saying when they say a revolution. Um, and you know, the problem I think with most Americans is that we do not know history, especially we do not know history of other nations. And uh, I think that uh, you know, if there was anything uh, to come out of uh, a Donald Trump election, it would possibly be a coup by the military similar to what happened in Chile back in the 1970s. Oh, go ahead, Nathan. What, oh, we, 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 lost, we lost Eric? Got Eric, no, are you no, still there? No, yeah, no. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I, I apologize, I go ahead. Yeah, I don't know if you guys, you know, uh, if you go on YouTube, there's a lot of documentaries about mm -hmm. it. The, the coup that happened in Chile back in the 1970s was sponsored by the CIA. Sure, and, of course. Right, and it happened after a presidential election where the, the, the person who was elected vowed to be a socialist, okay? And, uh, of course, that didn't sit well with the United States. And so the CIA started to do some uh, covert uh, organizing and funding for a military general to basically bomb their version of the White House in order to kill the president. And it actually worked. And after that happened... People fell in line like sheep to the slaughter. They went to prison camps. Many were executed. And the general who took power was named Pinochet. I think a lot of people may know that, that name, General Pinochet, but they're unaware of what actually happened, which was sponsored by the CIA. Yeah, yeah look, Eric, our, our, our government and, and the, the people in the shadow government, look, man, they – they're behind everything, man. They're behind all of this, man. You know, it's, it's 60 nations now, I think, that, that we've overthrown. I mean, you look at this horrendous actions we've done in the Middle East by destabilizing all these nations out there. It's very, very sickening. Uh, and and I think, you know, that's what trips me out is that, you know, the people that run our government will commit all these acts of violence and then – uh, you know, they'll, they'll pretend like the nation that they're overthrowing is the bad guy. Just like with Putin, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing, uh, you know, offensive weapons up to his border and they're calling them defensive. It's just totally crazy, man. Uh, really, you know, the hijacking of our nation and how they use our flag to really, uh, you know, in this this like neo-colonialism model that, they're, that, they're, that they have. Well, th this is just the, the bottom line I would like to put out there is go, that go ahead. if if there would be a military coup or something like it you know people talk about fema camps and so, yeah, so martial on. law yep martial law okay if that were to occur in the united states my take on it is is that people are so lazy and pathetic in our nation unfortunately yeah. and, and so glued to the t tv and, and so satisfied with things like watching the saints on a sunday or watching the football that they Blue would kids. fall in they, yeah they would fall in just like the people did of chip 
silly. They they fell into line. They went to, voluntarily went to prison camps. Many were voluntarily slaughtered. And General Pinochet was in power for uh, probably twenty or thirty years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I agree with you, Eric. I, I agree. Look, they'll give them the NFL. They'll give them a smartphone, and they'll give them their rations. You know, they're going to extract all of our energy, and they're going to make normal uh, human activity uh, criminal. You know, it states this in their Sustainable Development Agenda 21 plan. You know, you can't snow ski. You can't play golf. You can't uh, you, you can't have ceramic tile in your house. I mean, all of this stuff, they're going to Ill, they're going to make normal human activity illegal, and everybody will accept it when they're drove into these uh, giant slave camps. As long as they have their NFL, their smartphones, I, I totally agree, Eric. Everybody will comply. Right. Well, I, I think the most telling symbol of globalism is that statue that's out front of the UN, which is that. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, that, that gun, that gun that's tied in the knot, that that, that right. revolver. Exactly. That is the I think that is the uh, crown to globalism. And, you know, Hillary Clinton is a globe globalist and Donald Trump is a nationalist. And there's a lot of global powers at, at work there. And that's why you see people from both parties, I think, uh, against Trump, because they are truly the globalists in our government. No doubt. There's only one party, you know, at a leadership level. There's one party, you know, Carol Quigley talked about in his book, you know, illusion of choice. So there's really only one party. They've duped everybody with this. Uh, so, look, great call, Eric. Great Appreciate call, it, man. Eric. Hope you man, again. call in every week, man. We, we enjoyed it, man. Appreciate it, man. Look, when we, come, when we come back, we're going to bring on Yvonne from uh, Croatia. Croatia. That's it. The homeland. He's going to talk a little bit about former Yugoslavia. He's only 22 years old, but he can let us know what happened there, just like all the other countries we've seen be destabilized with these entities. America's not being destabilized, though, right? It's not. No, we're, no, we're, we're not. They're not. They're not cutting off all of our uh, all of our jobs. They're not, you know, threatening war with Russia. Nobody has any jobs anymore. I mean, nobody. there's 100 million people in food stamps. That's pretty stable, right? Stable to me. All right, we'll be right back. Ballinor's Radio, 990 AM. All right, we're back. I think this is our last segment, huh, Anthony? All right. Listen, we're here with Ivan from uh, Croatia. My father's from Croatia. We were talking in the break about the culture there. Um, you know, the history, the culture, the beautiful beaches, the beautiful people, how it's become such a big tourist uh, attraction lately. Uh, we're talking about the old traditional singing in the village. His father's from the same village that my father's from. Um, you know, just different things like that. And I was just saying how beautiful it is that the culture that they have there. And, uh, you know, my take on it is I look at Croatia. I try to visit as often as possible. Uh, about to have a baby. I'm not going to be able to visit as much as I like, obviously, in the near and distant future it looks like but you know i want to bring the baby i gotta bring the baby i want to hear yvonne's uh perspective on what he thinks of america he's been here for two weeks uh also um you know his take on what he's seeing in the eu what he's seeing with uh angela merkel if he's seeing any of these effects in the balkans in croatia what is he hearing about that i know you know he's a young man he's 22 uh he would be considered in that uh stereotypical uh age bracket if he was american is like oh he's a millennial but uh Elon's well, a very bright man before it comes and, i want to say one quick thing you brought up you brought up croatian culture you know it's still alive for now give it a little bit it, it'll be i it, hope it's preserved it, 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 yeah. Ivan, what's your take yeah, on that go ahead well culture 
Yeah, culture in Croatia. You know, you have a full time job. You know the situation there. What do you know that you could tell our listeners who are seeing the situation with the open borders? We're hearing the EU says they're going to bring five to seven million relocated Muslims that are refugee, war torn entities, fake Syrians, fake Syrians, whatever the case may be. And and we are going to give Ivan a chance to answer this, but I saw it on <laughs> Facebook where another Croatian said she saw a little picture of a, a, a dusted up Syrian. She's like, oh, my God. And these pictures of these children, it is sad. But these pictures showing the, it's all little, production. the drowning Syrian child on the beach we're just hoping it, to get uh, to safety or the, the, the dusted up child who looks like it's almost looks like a horror movie. It, 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 I see these people on Facebook and Croatians or whatever, Europeans, and that's the point of these pictures. They're supposed to feign sincerity, feign this situation where you go, you have to take these uh, relocated entities in. Otherwise, little children like this are going to die if you don't, if you turn your back on this. And if you're a Christian, you definitely need to do something about it. And if you're an atheist, then you're a racist not to take these people in. So, Yvonne, what's your, what's your take on that? Give us your take on what you're seeing in Europe, if anything. And again, you know, go for it, man. Let the go boy talk. We don't have <laughs> let, let the man listen. talk. Finally, nah. Just just talking about that that those two pictures. I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And what I, I'm not. You know, I'm not gonna get into that that exact. Uh, you know, gonna get into the picture. But the one thing that bugs me is with the whole Muslim relocation plan. Muslim or not, whoever is getting relocated into Croatia, into Germany, into Bosnia, America, wherever. And they're talking about creating, like making, uh, giving out apartments for these people permanently, yeah. not temporarily, permanently, uh -huh. and trying to find them some way to, to be useful to society, either be it a job or just community service, something like that. But most usually welfare, however, which is, which is another bad thing for, for, for a country in itself. Mm -hmm. But the thing that bugs me about that, you've got Croatians in Croatia on the street, war veterans. Yeah. You got Germans in Germany. In any country, you got your own people who are on the street, and you would, for some odd reason, rather help these other, arguably less fortunate uh, people from any other country than your own people. That's when that, that becomes a problem. I'm not against helping any refugees. I'm not against any of that. But help your own people out at first, because every country's prime prime goal should be security and safety of its own people yeah and, and, and starting with shelter and basic needs and, and when i was in croatia uh this past summer i know ivan can attest to this you know you're seeing croatians digging through the trash looking for these uh empty bottles just to pay get a couple kunas uh you know i i, I don't know what's going to happen when the croatian currency of the kuna switches to the euro but it's a shill it's a shell game it's a shoah however you want to put it, as Payday Monsanto would say. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel bad because the Croatians, just like I see Americans with the, they, they're they retiring now, these baby boomers. But what's going to happen when their their currency loses its value on a large level or, or the Kuna switches to the euro? I mean, look, I'm going to say this one thing and let, let Yvonne uh, speak. Look, they, they, I mean, look no further than New Orleans. There's homeless people everywhere. And this is supposed to be America, right? Yvonne, the, how, what do you think of seeing America? The, they're I mean, I everywhere. Know, he, yeah, we went to the Saints game Sunday. He sees panhandlers, 
And I've kind of like tried to keep them away from that stuff. I'm, I'm you know, I wanted to see the good parts of the city. Of course, we got a lot yeah, of crime you, out there. You feed them Taco Bell. Get the hell out of here. Some gorditas. Get out of here, bro. You won't even feed this boy no Louisiana food. Man, get out of here. Just, uh, yeah, just building character. <laughs> and, uh, he, I, you know, I'm trying to uh, protect him. Get that from, boy some oysters. Yeah, get some oysters. Yeah, yeah, charbroiled oysters. He actually had some of those. Go, go yep. bring him to Drago's. Yeah, bring him to Drago's. And, um, but yeah, I mean, we've been trying to, you know, show him that. And what what's it like seeing the culture here? Obviously, this is kind of like the uh, epicenter of multiculturalism and different cultures all together. And, you know, it's got its pros and cons in some people's eyes. Um, you know, we haven't seen that much. We've been doing some work, this and that. But, uh, you know, take, what's your take on that? Taco what's Bell. your take on sure. Again, what's your take on what you see in the future for Croatia? And do you see a situation like we talk about on our show all the time about a depopulation? We've said it multiple times in here. Nathan has one kid. I have one on the way. But it's like, I, I don't know. Is this is this how it is in Croatia where the younger Croatians, maybe a little bit older than you, you're 22, but say in their late 20s, early 30s, to where they're not even getting married anymore or they're not having any kids or maybe they're having one kid just because the inflation is so high they can't afford kids. What are you seeing with the reproduction rates and their attitudes towards marriage and kids? I was a father for three years by the time I was 22. God, Jesus. That's going to be you, Ivan. No, no, it's not going to be me. Not until, 20, great, do not we have until any women? 27. Do we have any women out there that want to sign Any takers? Up? Nope. Any no, takers? Okay. Oh, no, I'm just checking. He's, <laughs> got way, a girl, he's got a girl back home. Yep, yep. So, so yeah, I was, that, not, was just, nothing until that was just a radio joke. Anyway, uh, what, I was, what, you, what you asked? Wait. Uh, the population of the Croats. Yeah, the population of Croats. I already said, although a lot of people are already married and pregnant out of high school but i won't get into that that's mm -hmm. not planned beach by action. any means yes exactly uh -huh. but uh, there is now if you're going to call it relo plans or location or not everybody's looking for a better life i told Ooh, you i yeah. i would i would i personally i would never move out of croatia however i would move for 5 10 15 years yeah. and that's breaking I, some fucking yeah. breaking some money <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen. Make it, it some money and then go back. Yeah, that's the thing. Many people think that way and think they never come back. Uh -huh. And that's what you—that's what you're saying because the status is so so bad, arguably better than most many other places. But it's it's, it's not good. I told you. Give it some time. Here and give it some time. And yeah, there's a lot I, of Croatians. I'm hoping I'm hoping you're wrong, Nathan. I'm, yeah. I'm really really hoping you're wrong. I'm sorry. A lot the, of this Croatians. Mo this model of globalism is usurping the whole planet right now. Uh, I mean, but but there is a movement. We look at Trump, regardless of what Trump is or is, isn't. He's like a, manis, a manifestation of resistance. It doesn't even matter what he does. The people are putting a vote of resistance behind him. So we do see, you know, worldwide, you know, you see with the Brexit and stuff. So I I, 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 I like your optimism, Yvonne. I, I hope you're correct. But Most it just Europeans doesn't, are doesn't optimistic. Seem it. Yeah, it just doesn't see it from, from American standpoint. Uh, I, I don't see a good outcome for anybody. One thing about Croatians, though, a lot of their stuff is paid off still. I know that's changing. The debt matrix is so, you know, the Western influence with that. Uh, come move to America. You, you, <laughs> come into America. You'll gain 30 pounds. 30 yeah. pounds and you'll have $100,000 in debt instantly. But listen, oh. a lot of Croatians are moving to Germany because, of course, that's seen as like the epicenter of success in Europe, uh, opportunity. But if they had the choice they, to have money and a they, quality of life and beautiful women and beautiful lifestyle and culture, they want to stay in Croatia. But, you know, when inflation gets to a point where, you know, this and that, or they, they get boycotted by certain globalist entities, maybe even payback, 
for for being a part of the Axis powers, you know, things like that. That that to me that definitely plays he a role. He was close. He was close. You know, so I mean, Ivan, we got about three minutes left. If there's anything else you want to say on your take on Europe? We talked so much about the EU and what's happening there. Um, you know, I want to. I want to. Now that you're talking about Europe, I want to. I want to touch on Brexit. Okay, go ahead. I, I'm sure you all heard of what happened in Britain. Yep. They they voted out. Yep. They're not. And they're not leaving though. They're not leaving. They're not going to let them. Still, not let them. So wait, what's your point, Ivan? May or may not. But I was going to say, if they would leave, which is what it looks, kind of looks like now. You're you're gonna see this happen. Europe is gonna sanction them so hard just to make an example out of them. Yeah. Because if you if you noticed, uh, there was there was a lot of talk of leaving the EU in Netherlands, uh-huh. and I, I I can't remember right now which which other countries. There's a, there's been a, 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 a Catalonia from Spain. There's been a whole bunch. Are Croatia's talking about yeah. this? No, Croatia's no. No, uh-huh. Croatia is not. Unfortunately, not. If I if it was up to me, we would never want to have went in. Mm. But that's another story. So they're going to make an example out of them. Just watch for that in the next year or two, just to scare everybody else yeah. out of going. And out. listen, we've said this so many times on the show. We're watching Trump and Hillary fight over who's going to. And everybody's on Facebook right now saying, "Well, Trump's got to win. Well, Hillary's got to win, or the whole the whole world's going to go into shambles and this and that." And they're depending everything on one person. But still, the next day after November 9th or whatever it is, or November eighth, whatever it is. The Federal Reserve still going to control our currency, and, and in Europe, the EU, whether it's Merkel or some other puppet, yeah. it, their, their central bank still going to be well, controlling the currency that's being manipulated, and inflated well, constantly, and fiat currency. Now, well, wait, the Deu- wait, the Deutsche Bank collapses, and then that trickles down through the EU. I mean, the one the one thing about England, I don't believe they're going to allow them to leave, is because the financial epicenter is in London. Uh, you know, the, the banks of London really still control the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you look at that. That's where the whole Rothschild, you know, entity is basically set up yeah. in, in London. So we'll, we'll see, man. I, I don't gonna, know. It's not looking good, man. But look, the, the, the new leaks show that there is a shadow government actually controlling everything like we've been saying for years. Imagine and look, that. And listen, Yvonne, we're going to try to get him. In Thank the you, studio. Yvonne. Appreciate you. Appreciate his uh, insight. First and time on the radio. Did a great First job. First time to America. We're hoping to get him back on the show in Damn, a couple Taco weeks Bell. before he leaves. Been feeding him Taco Bell. <laughs> It's funny, but uh, yeah, we're going to have some gumbo or something like that soon. Look, we'll be back next week. Battle of New Orleans Radio, 990 AM, right here. WGSO. Old Haiti Grace said we could take them by surprise. If we didn't fire them, we still we looked them in the eye. I'm Jeff Cruer. I'm Eric Asher. You can always catch us on the radio right here on WGSO, 990 AM. Did you know you can catch us on TV? That's right, Jeff. We're on WLAE TV. Join me every